You're listening to episode number 12 of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today, we're talking to the owner of Laughing Buck Farm about getting boys outside. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode. You may think, why on earth is Boys Build Better publishing a podcast in December about getting boys outside? But that is exactly why we're publishing this podcast, is to inspire boys to get outside all year round. And I've got a great guest today. Her name is Rosemary Graff. She is the owner of Laughing Buck Farm. And that is one of her main reasons for running all the programs that she does on laughing at Laughing Buck Farm to be able to get kids outside in all types of weather. And I just think she is fascinating to listen to. So let's cut on over to the interview. Hi, Rosemary. How are you? Hello, Jessica. I'm pretty good. It's a pretty good day today. Um, as I texted you earlier, I picked up a couple of little baby pigs today for the farm, so it's hard it's hard not to get pretty excited about that. So it's a good day. You sent me a video. It's so fun to watch them clamoring around. Yeah. Um, I like to start with an icebreaker, and I was thinking, I actually just posted an episode about holidays and traditions, and so I'm totally putting you on the spot. But I wanted to know what is one of your kind of family traditions around this time of year, if you've got anything that pops into mind. Mm. So, you know, one of the things we love to do, and maybe you guys do it too, but we pile in the car, um, load up the hot chocolate and um, get the carols playing and grab the axe and the saw and all the things and drive up to Red Feather and um, cut down our Christmas tree. So we don't do that. We have a sad old busted um, plastic tree <laughs> that we've had for years and years, and I was against getting it, but now we have it, and so every year we do that. But we were driving up to Red Feather. I think that that is a very you see all the cars like zoom zoom zoom. We, we yes, we we were laughing because we were counting all of the cars yes. coming back with trees. I think that's a fabulous tradition. Well, it's a it's a cool little pilgrimage. Um, but I'll tell you, I also have, like, a little piece of me that's kind of jealous of those of you who can just, like, open up the box. Yeah. And put the tree up at any time <laughs> because it is sort of, like, a big event. And so we're, we're feeling a little bit challenged to, like, fit it in this coming weekend and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but, but we do. We enjoy that. And it's, it's become kind of a tradition and go with a couple friends. And I think and that's that's so fun. I think it's probably unique. Very Coloradoan that yes, we have this totally, place to go totally. an hour away. Mm-hmm. Well, for listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? So uh, I guess I could start with the way a lot of people know me here in Fort Collins, like now, which is a lot of people know me as Farm Her Rosemary. <laughs> Because I've got a little farm on the north side of town, and um, I bring kids into the farm for various educational programs that we have and things like that. So a lot of people know me in that capacity. You know, when I moved to Fort Collins, we, you know, we, we moved to this little farm here, and I started out as kind of the chicken lady. 
because I started off with chickens. Um, and then, you know, the farm has been growing. So that's kind of who I am to a lot of people in the community, especially like parents and things like that. Folks like you, um, you know, I'm also, you know, wife, I'm a mom of two kiddos. I've got, um, my one son is in seventh grade and then my oldest son just started high school this year. Oh, wow. Yes. It's kind of crazy. Um, and my husband's at the university, you know, he's a teacher at CSU. So, um, but my background is actually in teaching. So, um, you know, I, I had some years of teaching in a more formalized setting and, and you, at the university and worked at some nonprofits and then, you know, stopped working when I had my kids and we moved here. And then I sort of got into the farming thing. And then I found a way to sort of combine the teaching and the farming. So the farm is sort of my classroom now. And also just um, almost my game because it's, you know, all the things with the farm are all the little the pieces that I kind of manage. And it's, it, it's a source of great joy for me. So I don't know if that answers your question. That absolutely but. answers my question. And I learned something new because I will say that my, my children, all three of my children actually have gone to preschool at the farm. My youngest spent the most time there because of the time that we became aware of it. But I had no idea that you were a teacher before then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you live on a farm now, but you grew up on a farm, is that right? So uh, I grew up in a small town in Ohio, um, and we had uh, a little bit of land. I mean, maybe we had a quarter acre or something like that. So, you know, we had a garden and we had a little barn. And so we had, you know, rabbits that my dad raised for me and and I had a horse, so I was a horse kid. And, you know, every now and again, we might go to an auction and I'd, like, buy a goat or something like that. But it wouldn't be a farm, um, per se, and it was more in town, in a small town. But I did work on a dairy farm, like, during middle school and high school. So summers bailing hay and then also working in the milk house, um, you know, milking about 80 cows and things like that and just – was exposed to sort of um, a real farm, uh, just, you know, working there and kind of being on the periphery. So that was my experience with, with, farm, with farm life. And I, I always really enjoyed it, but I wondered when we bought this property, I sort of wondered if, like, boy, did, was that like an illusion? Like, oh, isn't this great, you know, farm life? Because I never right. had the day-to-day of it being our own farm. Like my parents are not farmers. Okay. And so I, I wasn't steeped in that, but I enjoyed it. So I kind of wondered if the reality of having a farm was going to meet my um, memories of it as a child. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. (laughs) Let's talk about that. So we'll talk a little bit about deciding to buy the farm. Well, um, you know, I don't think we really set out to buy a farm. Um, We did set out, and I would say the we here is a really strong me, um, set out to have a property um, somewhere here in Fort Collins that that I could have a horse. But I probably could have had like a horse in a shed behind our house. Right. So it wasn't – but we were able to get this property because – it was a foreclosed property and it was really, really horrible shape. And so we thought, wow, you know, and I'll tell you what, I stepped into 
the hay barn, you know the hay barn, and you know what it feels like, and you know what it smells like. And when I stepped into that hay barn, I thought, you know, this smells like my childhood. Like, this is what I know. Like, I feel this in my bones. Like, this is what a hay barn feels like, right? And so, um, as we were discussing it, we did have the conversation about, like, we're not just buying a property here. We're actually buying a childhood and if you want to call it a life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of had that um, that conversation and really ha- made that decision around that. And I'll tell you, we were advised um, not to buy <laughs> You know, my, my in-laws, and I love them dearly, were like, you know, don't do it. First of all, the house was a wreck. And I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not a house person. I never have been. I'm not a house person. I'm not a car person. I'm not a money person. I am a barn person. Yeah. And I'm an animal person. So, uh, so, but the in-law said, you know, it's just, it's going to be too much work. You know, fences were falling down, weeds everywhere. I mean, Jessica, you, you know, you didn't see the place way back when. No, I didn't. So, um, but it, it is a lot of work. Um, but it's, it, it, what it creates is a kind of lifestyle where you could say that we're always working, um, but we really like it. We really like um, the time that we've put in to really trans- transform this property and kind of um, turn it into something beautiful. You know, we like, I love the work that, that I do with caring for the animals. And, you know, I got a barn full of horses right now. And, you know, I've been living here, what, 13 years and I still pinch myself, honestly, I do, when I step into that hay barn or when I, um, you know, when I just realize that I have all these these creatures that I'm taking care of. And I love that that rhythm that we have. We are very connected to things like weather or things like seasons. We, we irrigate, right? So um, it really tunes you into sort of what's happening um, outside, really. So we orient around that and so that really has shaped our life and it has shaped the kids life well Um, let's talk about that and your kids how mm -hmm. old were your boys when you moved to the farm so at that point Tristan was two and Laren was four so they were pretty young and um, you know, and, and they, that's an awesome age, you know, for kids just experience every, experiencing everything, right? And, you know, we, we sort of t- took things on gradually. I mean, you know, I think I, I had a horse within about seven days. I was already <laughs> horse shopping on Craigslist from California before we moved here, right? So some things I rushed into because I was just so excited. But, you know, everything that we, you know, we, we started off with some chickens and, you know, young kids, they really loved being involved in everything. Um, again, especially, especially the animals and just having so much at our fingertips in terms of space to play and things to do. And so um, it, it was a source of great joy for us. And, you know, kids, you know, they just participate in all of it. Right. Well, in that age is so great. I'm imagining that they would come in and be able to kind of help. And that would be um, less work at that age and more kind of fun and time with mom and being together as a family. So that has to have been a great age for them to move to the farm. 
yeah, it was a really, really good, a good time. So I would love to talk about your boys and how they contribute and how growing up on the farm has kind of, or if it has created any kind of work ethic in them and and what kind of benefits you think that that has had. (laughs) So, you know, I have teens, right? Right. (laughs) So you're using words like work ethic. Um, And I think that's a, that's a really, um, lofty ideal. And I can tell you that I have some parents who sort of have this illusion that, you know, since I've got, I'm living on a farm, I must have raised two like hardworking farm kids, you know? (laughs) We all want to know how to do it, Rosemary. (laughs) It's not, let me just tell you that it's not like that, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like that for, for me. And maybe in some families, either maybe their farm's different or their parenting's different. I don't know what it is, but that's not where we're at. So, we have exposed our kids to a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, and truly, they had a, a wonderful period of basically when they're young, just absorbing all of it, right? But where they are now, as they're older, um, they participate with us. Um, so they harvest apples with us and we make cider together. We irrigate together. Um, but that's not really about work ethic, yeah, <laughs> that's about us sort of insisting that that it's kind of like this is what we do as a family. Yeah. So it is kind of our stance on certain things that this is what we do. And I'll tell you, I mean, there's pushback on that as teens. Like it's it's not what they'd rather do. I mean, I think they we drive around and see a big house with a pool. Probably that's where they want. That's right. where they like. The grass is always greener. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's not a, a formula that they grow up on a farm and then they're, they're really hardworking and all those things. But, but again, I mean, I, and I honestly think in terms of parenting, this is, it's really the best we can do is we can expose them and we can saturate them with the things that we think are really important and that we think are really awesome, actually, because we do. Um, and, and, we, and we even force them to participate. <laughs> and they are connected in ways, sometimes more or less um, willing to do so. I mean, we, for example, we, the first time ever, we butchered a pig on the farm last weekend. Oh, you we, did? We did. We had a pig that would not get into the trailer to load up and go to the market. Yeah. And so our only solution was to um, handle all that here on the farm. And again, you're really not going to force your kids to participate even in something like that. Um, But I insisted that they sort of like, just come over and look out the window every now and again and see what we're up to, right? Mm -hmm. So that they have an understanding of this is what happens here. But the older they get, the less control we have over those things and what, what they're interested in what they're really interested in. Uh, Well, that actually makes me feel good because I thought, oh gosh, that must make it so much easier to teach that, to have those, all of those potential chores at your fingertips. (laughs) But I've got a couple preteens too, and I'm generally forcing them to do things. Right. And, uh, you know, they do have chores. They they take care of the outside animals Mm -hmm. and they do it more or less willingly depending on the day. And I will say the things that I love about that is, um, you know, this week, for example, one of my, my, my youngest son has rabbits. I mean, it was down to, what, 11 degrees or something like that. So especially 
having a farm and having something that's happening outside Mm-hmm. That, I think, is the unique and beautiful part, is that we're connected to creatures that are out. So it forces us to get outside. It yes. forces us to be aware of what's happening with the weather and all those things while we're we're taking care of it. Just just a slight distinction but um, versus the inside chores. And we have this conversation. I mean, they, they, of course, they've got to clean their bathrooms. Yeah. And they can do that, do a 60% job which they sometimes do, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But you can't do a 60% job when you're taking care of the chickens when it's 11 degrees. Like right. You've got you've to make sure. So there is that, that's an opening for a conversation, basically. Absolutely. I think even animals, I mean, I think it would go, we have got some animals here and we waited a really long time to get animals. And, and two of my three kids have animals and, even even making sure that they are getting cared for can sometimes be negotiating, you know, us and them. But but the fact that they do have animals that are depending on them it has actually become something that's really nice because they they do have a deeper understanding for for the care required and and it is their responsibility. And so I think that that just even being in, in charge of some sort of animal Absolutely. is probably really helpful. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's really important and really great. Well, so you're living on the farm. I want to know more about how it transformed into a preschool. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, my kiddos were two and four when we moved here and we were, um, well, we mostly me just as a mom who's home with all this work to do on the farm and feeling kind of far away from all the maybe friends that I'd like to meet or people that I'd like to connect with or other kids from, for my sons to play with. Like grass is always greener for yeah. me too. I'm like, Oh, if only I lived in suburbia, I'd have more friends <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, my kids would have somebody to play with. Um, so, you know, it, it kind of felt somewhat isolating so I had this idea of creating a little cooperative and I started talking with parents about it, like at the park. And the idea was, and it actually, it came together beautifully. We had eight kids and the parents, moms in this case, um, I think we had a dad, um, in one rendition, one of the years, but, um, so we had two parents on, and then the other parents got the time off. But we had a little gaggle of kids, right? And we would rotate from home to home, and we do it. We had it two days a week, and so I spent a few years in that setting, right? Mm-hmm. And on the days that that I was hosting here at the farm, I had my kids, and then this group of other kids here. And long story short, first of all, that just gave me a taste of how cool it is to have a group of kids here on the farm playing, exploring, and doing all the things together. Um, And then, you know, basically as my kids got older um, and I had found another gal, you know, Angela, um, we had connected. We both had our youngers left. Our older kids were in, um, had started kindergarten. We had our younger kids and we just thought, you know, maybe we could just do something like that, create something here on the farm. So we did. We just had one day. And it really was more for our own kids, right? Yeah. yeah. We could be here, and then we got our kids, and we invite more kids. And really, we started with that little model. 
And slowly, it doesn't seem like that now, but it has been, what, maybe seven years that we've been doing this. And we tend to just, from the ground up, you know, we do something for a while, and then it's like, oh, well, maybe we could add another class. So then we had two classes, one more family, age, you know, parents and all age kids. Now, and then we have the, the preschool toddler group. Mm-hmm. And now we have um, a really thriving homeschool class as well. I mean, and even the homeschool class started out as once a month we would offer it. Right? Yeah. And now it's weekly. So in, in each each thing that we've been doing, we just have just sort of been growing it and, you know, tightening it up in certain ways. Um, so it's just sort of grew organically out of having um, the experience and the joy, really, of of having kids on the farm, first with our own kids. Well, and can you talk about, now it obviously differs in the seasons, but can you talk about what those preschoolers and, and the homeschoolers are doing on the farm every day? Mostly experiential with the littles, right? Then when we've got the preschool age kids, they're doing the routines, but it, I mean, there's still more tasks and work to be done with them. Mm-hmm. And then the homeschool kids are really taking it to another level. When I say we start each class with chores, well, the the little ones are doing the chores where they can maybe catch a chicken and gather an egg, right? Or, you know, so and and then the the toddlers, you know, they really can, you know, get their wagons and their feed buckets and just work together and get it done, but still a, just a ton of play in there. Yeah. And the homeschool kids, we um, really, our goal is to sit back and let them do all of it. Yeah. We have teams. We have a horse team. We have a pig team. We have a goat team. The goat team, they are great, giving the goats grain, water. They milk the goats. They trim the goats' hooves. I mean, so each, each age group is doing chores but at a different level, right? So we do all, the, all of those chores, like – taking care of the pigs, gathering eggs, food and water for the chickens, goats, like I said, the feed and milking, goat milking. Um, and then we've got uh, just an amazing space. The hay barn is, is sort of the reward after doing all that work. We hang in the hay barn for a bit. And then we come back and have lunch and stories together. Well, and when Rosemary, let me explain the hay barn yes. a little bit more because it isn't a reward because, yes, it is your hay barn, right? But <laughs> there is bales of hay that you can climb on, but there's also a rock climbing wall and there's some rope swings. So it's, it is a huge indoor playground, In, yes. kind of indoors. I mean, it's covered, but it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible play space. It mm-hmm. really is. So uh, we usually finish up in the hay barn, and then we gather in the orchard usually. Uh, if it's really cold, we'll, we'll actually have lunch in the hay barn, but oftentimes we'll go in the orchard and have our story and lunch. And then, you know, that takes an And usually our classes are about three hours long. Homeschool's four, so it's an extra hour. But, you know, by the time we've got all the chores and the play and the lunch, we've got about an hour left and then with that time, that is is sort of open to whatever um, we and myself, like the teachers, what we want to create. So sometimes uh, we have a pretty strong horse focus. So we'll ride the horses. And that's something that all of the ages are doing, experiencing working with horses and riding horses or really working on their riding skills, the older group. So we always add that piece. 
Um, but then, uh, depending on what kind of work needs to be done on the farm, you know, we might be making apple cider in the fall or applesauce. We have a, a really creative art space, so we might be out in the garden, um, you know, painting with uh, lamb's ears or kale or something like that. Uh, we might be working in the garden, depending on what time of year it is. We we really um, try to tune the kids into what's happening seasonally. So especially the kids um, that are with us for a year, or I can tell you I've, I've had one kiddo who has been with me for six years. Mm-hmm. She's She just started school this year, but like the goal is for them to show up and, and kind of understand that, oh, in springtime, what are we tuned into? We start thinking about amending the soil in the garden or the bees. It's a warm day. We see bees out. We check, oh, maybe we need to feed the bees some sugar water, right? So that last hour is a chance for us to either tune in to what is happening, that we can participate either in work or play, uh, and I, you know, I also want to talk about kind of just the life cycle of animals on the farm. Cause I know that that's a big piece of preschool. You had mentioned that you guys butchered a pig and you were talking to your sons about it, but can you talk a little bit about how the preschoolers are involved with, with those, like those pigs, right? Cause you're talking about chores. Um, you guys got, you got pigs today, you know, all your farm preschoolers are going to be feeding them and they will ultimately say goodbye to them too. Can you talk just a little bit about kind of the importance of that or, or how you handle that? with preschoolers? Well, you know, that's a really important part of what we're doing here is we're really connecting kids and, you know, parents even as much as kids with where their food comes from. So, um, yes, we we are farmers, right? Mm-hmm. And we have that conversation about how, um, as farmers, we are trying to feed our family and our community, right? And so we do that with with the pigs, you know, we raise the pigs and then at the end of the season, the pigs, the way we say it is the pigs go to market, but they understand they're there two weeks before when we start loading those pigs onto the trailer, feeding them inside the trailer and getting an understanding of, okay, now the pigs are going to be going to market and they have hard questions like, um, how they're butchered. Some of the kids have asked me, right. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are conversations, and I'll tell you, I, I have been doing this for many years, and for the longest time, and even now there's a little piece of me that's just waiting for some child to be devastated. Yeah. And totally heartbroken, that, or or maybe throw a fit or something. <laughs> you know, that, like, how can you do this to the pig? You know, we love these pigs. But they usually... Um, kind of understand they can hold those two ideas which is oh my I really love piggy pie and then oh but we eat bacon and bacon's the one oh I love bacon you know so but we have that we really have a conversation and I have some great conversations with with the children but it's really good for kids to to connect the dots that if you eat meat think about where the other pigs, what their life is like. Cause we share that the pigs here, they have a really healthy life uh-huh. because we also grow food in our garden specifically for our animals. We harvest the greens with the children. 
So we have that conversation that we all need to eat healthy, even the pigs, right? Even the chickens. And sometimes kids bring their own scraps in from home and things like that. So we have happy, healthy animals with a really happy life and lots and lots of love. Um, and then they have one really bad day. Yeah. And, um, and I'm conflicted too. Actually, I love the pig pigs as much as they do. Yeah. Probably. And so I also have to try to hold those two things. So I can be really sad, in fact, with them. And then also just understand that this is this has a lot of integrity, what I'm doing. I believe in it um, greatly. So, I, Well, I think those are great lessons. And even beyond the pigs, I mean, you know, my youngest spent so much time there. And, and through that time, lost a couple of favorite yes. chickens and yes, some horses that were really That's dear. Right. So I think it's just, it is a great early um lesson on those facts of life so i think um and and then that you then get to experience something new coming in i think it's it's really great one of the other things that i appreciate as a parent and i think it's helped me look at things a different way is that you operate we are in colorado and we have inclement weather and your your preschool and your farm programs operate all year long even when it's snowing or raining or very cold. And so I would love to talk about those days, like your thoughts behind that. And then those days that are so cold and, and how, you know, resilient those kids are. Cause we, you know, as a parent, I feel like, Oh no, my, you know, he's not going to be able to make it. So I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah. That, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause it, that too is something that I'm, I'm really um, passionate about. And you know, one of the things that's great about the farm as a learning space is that um, there's a certain level of reality to it, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so what I tell the kids is there's no farmer who has ever said it is too cold to feed my pigs. Right. Or, oh, I'm sorry, it's raining too hard. I, I can't I can't take care of my horses today. I'm just going to have to stay inside. <laughs> nope, too bad. Oh, too cold. Nope, can't milk the goat today. It, yeah. That... Farmers have to go out and take care of it. Um, so that's our starting point, especially with the, that first part of class, is we always have work to be done. We always have to care for our animals. In fact, you know, we start with that conversation of like, what do they need? Because if it's really cold, the pigs actually need an extra bale of straw in there to keep them warm, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes we bring hot water out for the chickens because it's like, ooh, it's probably like that's steaming, yeah? And it's like they're having some warm tea, right? <laughs> so we, we orient around just the reality of needing to be outside and doing what we need to do. Um, and... And I, I absolutely love that. Um, and the other thing I just have to say, too, is that um, part of it, I believe, starts with us, like me as a farmer and as a teacher and as a parent. Um, for any of the teachers that, that work with me, uh, one of our, in our teacher trainings, one of the things that I really insist upon, and this might sound kind of silly, but... Um, I really insist that we don't complain about the weather. Hmm. We, and I don't, I usually am not like top down finger wagging type of person, but I'm really firm on that, that we, it starts with us feeling like, you know what, 
this will be an exciting day. It's going to be a fun day. It will be adventurous. We will find the beauty in the, the way the rain falls at a slant. Like, ooh, how cool it is. Like, so I, I truly believe, and I get so excited, really, about the starting point being excitement for every single day in any kind of weather. And so, it, you know, I, I know there are a lot of parents who have reservations about, oh, they're going to be cold and, and all those things. And um, I say, just bring them here and I'll tell you how to dress them, right? Because I know a lot of it depends, you know, I, I've lived in, in Sweden for a year. And even beforehand, we all know that there's no such thing as bad weather, only, you know, bad gear. Like, just dress them with as if they were going sledding. Mm-hmm. With snow pants and warm gloves. You know, I have I have a class tomorrow. The high is going to be 27. Yeah. And it'll probably be about 17 or 18 degrees when they show up in the morning. Now, granted, these are the oldest kids. Yeah. We have four hours outside. And I can't wait. Yeah. Right? I can't wait to build a fire with these kids. And it matters that we're actually building a fire. Yeah. Right? Not as an exercise, but like... So, so it starts with having that kind of orientation towards the weather. And, and I have to say, that's why I say, like, if, if you don't feel it yourself, send them here and we'll be excited about it because, and I think kids, especially young, the younger ones, they, they're already there. We had yesterday was Tuesday. We had the preschool class. What did we have? Like a quarter inch of snow and they're making snow angels. Like, they want to play and they want to be in it. For all the years my youngest spent there, he never, ever was said like, oh, it's too cold or I don't want to, you know, like that was never something he was ever concerned about. But, and I love that. I mean, it's probably a good lesson just for us parents in general of, it sounds like a lot of it's perspective. Like I love hearing you say, well, yeah, if indeed it's cold, gosh, we really need to think about the animals then, you know, like they might have needs that we need to be met even more today than any other day, or that you can then take those opportunities to look at that rain and, and see see things that you wouldn't see on a day, on, on a different type of day. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we do. I mean, and I have to say, you know, we do have the hay barn, right? Yeah. So we're not just, you know, sitting out in the middle of a field in a snowstorm. So we do have uh, a place to go to be out of severe wind and things like that. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we, you know, we just play hard um, and, and stay warm. And, and as teachers, that's sometimes it's like hmm, the goal for today is how busy can we be? Like what kind of adventure can we do so that we can basically stay moving for three hours? And that's what we do. Well, and this leads me to one of the other things that I wanted to talk about because I f- feel like one of the places that you will sometimes escape wind is you have like a creek bed right next to your property. Yes. And it will often freeze over. But numerous times I've picked up my son as you guys were sort of hiking up the creek bed because that's where you yes. went down. And and um, and it's one of the things that I think is so great about that farm experience is that I want to say you're able to do things that are slightly dangerous. 
Is that, uh, you know, that, or that, how about that are not without risk that I've seen on, um, at the farm that there's oftentimes where kids are able to take a risk or to do something out of the box. And I always thought that was fabulous as a parent, because I think that in a typical American childhood, there's not a lot of opportunity to take risks as a kid. Totally agree. Yep. So can you talk about your perspective on that? So, um, I feel like I keep saying that's something I'm really passionate about. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And yes. So that's another, um, thing that I think is really, uh, awesome about the space that we have here, um, is that it does present that opportunity for kids doing things. You, you can call it risk. You can call it adventure. Um, it starts with even the hay, bar- the hay barn. We set that up in such a way that there are some really high stacks and we put gaps in between those stacks. stacks. And you can ask Gabe. We, we call the gap like the ditch of doom, <laughs> the cavern of death. Like, and it is. It's pretty, it's pretty high, right? And some kids don't want to jump over it or they don't want to. But there's a, there is something that's there for them to, if they choose to, to do it, go for it, make that leap. We have the, the canal that you were talking about um, that we head down there and basically follow their, their desire to just go for it. You know, we just, what, two weeks ago, I guess, we have an area, you remember, like you can, you, we tie a climbing rope. Yeah. And go over the side of this, you know, it's a really, really steep hill. It, it the bottom is a steep of it hill. Is a, is a bit, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a drop off is yeah. what it is. Um, and then at the bottom is the, is the canal. And, um, you know, I had a teacher last week, it's the first time she's done this with me. And she's like, you're, you're going to have them do what? Like, Basically, what she said to me is that that looks like a horrible idea. What you're doing, <laughs> um, and I said, you know, I I know this, I know this drop off, I know this canal, I know that the worst that can happen is, you know, they might just fall in the, you know, fall in the water or whatever. But what I said was, is that some of these kids might not have the opportunity to do something like this. Either they don't have the space. Or they don't have a parent who will say, ooh, let's do it. Go for it. You can, you, you can try it. Mm-hmm. So I, I do. I love, um, to me, that's the sense of adventure. Um, it also feels a lot like my childhood, myself. And so I love creating, um, creating that space. And we do. It's a controlled risk as I'm working with other people's children. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a controlled risk, but risk and play and adventure and learning by actually making some small mistakes. Fantastic. Another one of my really strong pushes with my teachers is that we, um, we let them struggle. We just stand back. We, as parents and as, as teachers, we want to come in and speed things up or help them. And so there's just so much to be gained, um, in the world of, of adventuring in nature, just struggling through it. And then also um, in all the work that we have to get done, also struggling through it. So 
it's something I enjoy very much um, in sharing with the kids. Well, and I, I am grateful for all of the time that my kids have spent there. I think um, especially my youngest is actually quite resilient because of it. And I think, you know, and, and actually he, you know, talking about how cold it is here, has been here this week. He will happily go out in shorts and really won't ever complain <laughs> about being cold. And I mean, yes. um, so I really do feel like. Like And I actually think of all, you know, he spent the most time there. I think he's probably the most willing to pitch in to or really still find a lot of joy in that. Mm-hmm. But for those of for those people listening who can't make it up to the farm, you know, what are some ways that as parents we can kind of bring a little farm into our lives or, or give our kids that calculated risk? You know, what what's some advice you might have for us city dwellers? So that is a really um, great question. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about now, especially as my kids are getting a little bit older and um, have the capacity to resist my best intentions, right, (laughs) Um, is that what I would say to people is basically start now, wherever you are, and start sooner, right? Mm -hmm. And First of all, just get out. I mean, to me, a far- the farm is sort of like a-, a branch of it, a branch of getting out and connecting with the natural world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the root of it is, to me, and this is also just my deep love, is a connection with nature and being outside and finding, um, finding creating space and just getting out there. And... So I guess I would say um, find your own joy around that, whatever that is, even if it's taking them out on hikes or down to the river. Um, Just pile them in and get them out in nature, right? And find some community around that. Um, Just like I sort of created the preschool and we have a community here. We've got in Fort Collins and probably elsewhere there are other Groups like, you know, there's the Nature Tribe or Tinker Garden or, you know, we've got the Lee Martinez little farm here, you know, things like that. But you can find community. And if it's not there, you can create community. Um, Specifically farm wise, um, the one thing that came to my mind is 4-H. Yeah. uh, Because 4-H is a really great outlet. And I'll tell you, um, you know. We use our farm as a way to encourage kids that don't have a farm. Like, so kids are have, do horses in 4-H and they basically use our horses. Or they could keep a pig here and still um, use that pig in 4-H and not have a farm. And what I would say is that you might be surprised how many people would, um, if you reached out to them, would want to help you facilitate um, that experience, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there are a lot of ways to um, to get access to to making those connections. Just connecting kids with nature, I think, is is such a beautiful thing. And the sooner, the better. I mean, I think of it, you know, now with my kids when we're hiking and things like that and they're you know they're climbing like monkeys on rocks and fallen trees and all the things it's just um just getting outside um and i'm glad even even my teens that are very (laughs) resistant to those things um you know we have some 
traditions, some hikes that we know and or or things that we do like as a family, like it's our thing. And so we just, you know, drag them along. <laughs> I guess is my point. Drag them along. And I'll say that they're easier to drag the younger they are. <laughs> I mean, you don't think of it at the time. It feels really hard. Yes. But you don't realize till later that it actually is easier than it looks. And and especially like if and that's why I suggest um, finding a community or a group of friends around that. And maybe I say that because I'm an extrovert, right? So I like being with people. Yeah. But that's another thing. Part of the beauty, I think, of what I'm doing here with the community of kids that we have is we're doing it as a group. And so there's a certain momentum that is created from all of us going for it. And I felt that, you know, when my kiddos were little, you know, we were involved in something called the Nature Tribe. And uh, moms would get together, moms and dads would get together um, once a week and do hikes with our kids. And my kiddos at, you know, four and five and six, they like doing it with those kids more than just, you know, going out with mom. With us. Yeah. Well, and then that, that so. also kind of introduces the element of play. So I think that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, this has been great, Rosemary. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with sure. me. Um, how can people find out more? So we have a website, a Laughing Buck Farm that's one farm, laughingbuckfarm.com. And um, we're also on Facebook at laughingbuckfarm.com. And we're on Instagram at <laughs> laughingbuckfarm.com. So, um, you know, you can find us online. Thank you again to my guest, Rosemary Graff. You can find out some more about Laughing Buck Farm at laughingbuckfarm.com. You can also check out today's show notes at boysbuiltbetter.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. It helps more people find the show. And until then, get on your boots and your coat and get outside. See you next time.